0: welcome you are listening to the audio information network of colorado this recording is intended to be used solely by individuals with barriers to print hello thank you for joining us for the friday september 22nd 2023 reading of the human health program my name is emily crocker On today's program, Face Your Fear of Germs, from Prevention Magazine. And The Benefits of Morning Meditation, from The New York Times. Plus, To Improve Memory, Stop and Smell the Roses, from USA Today. And more, time permitting. Here's our first report. Face Your Fear of Germs. If those microbes loom larger than life for you, there are steps you can take to ease your nerves, by Madeline Haas from Prevention Magazine. From a young age, we are encouraged to have a healthy fear of germs for both our personal hygiene and our well-being. But for some people, germs can cause severe anxiety that can interfere with daily life. Fear of germs, also known as mysophobia, is a type of obsessive disorder, says Katherine Smerling, PhD, a psychotherapist in New York City. This fear has become much more prevalent recently because of the pandemic. The impact of mysophobia on people's lives varies, says Patrick Porter, Ph.D., a neuroscience expert and founder of BrainTap. A mild case might mean you feel the need to wash your hands several times after being in a germy environment or that you avoid germ-filled places entirely. If you have a severe case, just thinking about germs might disrupt your day, and you may avoid social situations, even with loved ones. Washing away the anxiety. A key strategy in managing mysophobia is cognitive behavioral therapy, or CBT, which helps people understand and develop coping skills to deal with fears, says Porter. What you can do at home. It's natural to wash your hands when you get home, but not for 30 minutes, says Smerling. Establish a reasonable cleaning routine and set a timer for handwashing and bathing. If you find your mind lingering on thoughts of germs, remember that they do serve a purpose, keeping immunity strong. What you can do in public. Shaking hands and using public bathrooms can be difficult for those with a fear of germs. Carry hand sanitizer or wipes if it makes you feel better, but note when you are using them excessively. Create checks for yourself by acknowledging your fear. This awareness can help you avoid spiraling. What You Can Do Anywhere Learn how to remain in the present when anxiety develops, says William Snyder, LPC, a provider partner for Grow Therapy. Try a mindfulness practice for 15 minutes per day via breathing, sounds, or movements. In a stressful moment, try diaphragmatic breathing, pulling air into your lungs using your diaphragm rather than your ribcage. This type of breathing can calm you within a minute or two. How to find help. If fear of germs affects your daily life, consider seeking professional treatment. Keeping up with self-care by getting enough sleep, eating healthily, and practicing mindfulness is essential too. Up next, the benefits of morning meditation. Starting a regular practice doesn't have to be hard. It can take as little as five minutes as soon as you wake up. By Holly Burns from The New York Times. There are some things we all know we're supposed to do to feel better. Drink more water. Take more walks. Go on fewer tequila benders. Meditation is another. Research has shown it to help with everything from anxiety and depression to better sleep, lower stress levels, and chronic pain relief. But if you're new to meditating, it can be hard to know where to start. So start small, with five minutes of breathing exercises to calm and focus the mind every morning. Not only will it set the tone for the day, said Dr. Eva Tsuda, a meditation instructor at the UMass Memorial Health Center for Mindfulness, but meditating earlier may make the practice easier to stick to. In a recent study of almost 900,000 meditation app users, those who meditated in the morning were more likely to maintain the habit. Here's how to kick off your day every day with a quick and simple meditation. Decide where and when you'll meditate. Alma Ivanovich, the owner of Sun and Moon Meditation Studio in Chicago, meditates every morning after she wakes up, sitting on the floor against her bed frame. Designating a specific spot helps with consistency, she said, because it's like a pattern. When you see that space, it's like, okay, that's what we do there. Tie the practice to something you already do each morning, like brushing your teeth. One small study found that people who did an in-app meditation anchored to a morning routine stuck with meditation longer. Set a timer. Even if your mornings are chaotic, Research suggests that just five minutes of meditation can decrease stress and anxiety the rest of the day. Ms. Ivanovich likes to use an hourglass so she can gaze at the moving sand. But a digital alarm on your phone works, too, she said. Just make it something gentle, like a chime or a bell. And don't be afraid to go halfway. If you're in a highly anxious state or feeling pain, even five minutes can feel too long, she said. Set your timer for two-and-a-half minutes, see how you feel, then hit repeat. Focus on your senses. Next, bring your attention to your body. What are the physical sensations you feel? Maybe it's your feet touching the floor or an ache in your back, Dr. Tsuda said. Notice any morning noises or smells, the quality of the light, even a lingering taste in your mouth. After a minute or so of this, my favorite practice that feels useful is just watching your breath, said Aditi Shah, a meditation instructor for the fitness company Peloton. Pay attention to each inhale and exhale, Shah said. Add a mantra. Research has shown that mantra-based meditation can have a positive effect on mental health and can even reduce hypertension. To help you focus on your breath, Ms. Ivanovich said... Try repeating IN as you inhale, and OUT as you exhale, either silently or out loud. You can tailor your mantra to whatever quality you want to bring to your day, she said. Experiment with I AM on the inhale, and GRATEFUL, PRESENT, AT EASE, or any other word that feels fitting, on the exhale. Correct yourself compassionately. Meditation can feel intimidating because we don't have a clear picture of what success looks like, Ms. Shah said. When she first started meditating, she often felt like a bad meditator when she got distracted. Despite your best efforts, stray thoughts will often creep in. The key is not to see this as a failure. No matter how experienced you are, your mind is going to wander, Ms. Ivanovich said. When it does, gently redirect yourself back to your breath. Use the patient, forgiving tone you'd take with a child or pet, she added. Like, whoops, no, not over there, come back over here. You may find that listening to a guided meditation helps you stay more focused and gives you the building blocks for meditating on your own. The whole purpose of meditation, Dr. Tsuda said, is to train ourselves to be present with our experience without criticizing or judging ourselves. Add some movement. Not everybody will be comfortable with a seated meditation, even a five-minute one, particularly people who are easily distracted. Also, if you're very anxious, it's almost impossible to sit still with your thoughts, Dr. Tsuda said. Blending mindfulness with movement can multiply the benefits of both. After you wake up, while the day is still cool, consider a quick walking meditation, which research has shown can reduce psychological distress and potentially alleviate depression and improve balance in older people. While you walk, look for something around you in every color of the rainbow. A red flower, an orange sign, a yellow shirt, and so on. And if other thoughts creep in, Dr. Tsuda said, Bring yourself back and notice how your body feels when you're walking. Hear the birds chirping. Be fully present, Dr. Tsuda said. Up next, make sure to stop and smell the roses. It just might boost your memory. By Karen Weintraub from USA Today. Most people think of smell as the least important of their five senses. But a growing body of research suggests smell is not just essential for perceiving things like food and flowers, but also for remembering them. And a new study suggests stimulating the sense of smell can boost memory. Older adults exposed to odors while they slept performed better on verbal memory tests and showed improved function in a brain pathway that supports memory formation, according to the study, which was published in the journal Frontiers in Neuroscience. I would consider it preliminary, but I think it's pretty exciting, said Donald Wilson, a neuroscientist at NYU Langone Health, who was not involved in the study. It's an important first step in showing how very simple odor enrichment can influence or at least protect against degeneration, said Leslie Kay, a professor of psychology and neuroscience at the University of Chicago, who was not involved in the study. A number of neurological diseases, including Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, schizophrenia, and depression, are preceded by a loss of smell. And it has long been known that damage to the sense of smell, whether it comes from aging, exposure to toxins, smoking, head injury, menopause, or a chronically stuffy nose, can lead to memory loss. As you age, your memory walks hand in hand with your ability to smell things, said Michael Leone, who led the new research. We think that pretty much everybody in our modern, affluent world is odor-deprived, said Leon, a professor of neurobiology and behavior at the University of California, Irvine. The loss of stimulation may make their brain vulnerable to a wide variety of problems, Leon said. The study was small, comprising 43 healthy volunteers ages 60 to 85. But the half who were exposed to seven odors two hours a night for four months performed 226% better on a verbal memory test than those whose diffusers had no scent. They also showed differences in brain scans. People are really desperate to find something for their memory, Leon said. This is something that takes no effort but is highly effective. Explaining why this might happen. There's a biological explanation for the link between olfaction and memory, Wilson said. In the brain, the system involved in smell is only one or two connections away from brain areas involved in cognition and emotion. The systems for sight and hearing are much further from those areas. Smell is the only sense that has a direct superhighway into the memory centers of the brain, Leon said, and consequently has a far greater impact on memory than those other senses. Wilson said he was intrigued by the finding that of all the tests Leon and his team tried on the study volunteers, they saw only improvements in verbal memory. Most people are terrible at labeling scents, They know something smells good, but they can't say this scent is a rose or this one is cinnamon. That's why most odor tests offer people multiple choice options, he said. There's some weakness between olfaction and language that we don't really understand, Wilson said. It's interesting that this new trial is affecting verbal learning. The brain can't learn new information during sleep. Playing audio in German to a sleeping person, for instance, won't help them learn the language. But odor delivered during sleep is recognized by the brain, Wilson said. Presenting a scent while learning a list of words and again that night during sleep boosts memorization. That's another reason to think maybe it could work, he said, slowing brain aging by stimulating it with scents during sleep. Another recent study examined older adults with dementia and found that exposing them to 40 different odors twice a day led to a substantial memory boost. No drug has come close to the improvements they've seen, said Leon, who was not involved in that research. It's never too late, he said. Kay said a massive study is needed to confirm the idea that stimulating the brain with odors can boost memory or slow cognitive decline. Wilson and Kay say they will remain cautious until they see larger studies, but are impressed by the findings and excited by their implications. It looks like there's something there, and that would be cool, Wilson said. Stimulating smell matters more now than ever. The COVID 19 pandemic has raised the stakes for work like this, Kay said. Roughly 15 million people lost their sense of smell for months at a time, if not permanently, after a COVID-19 infection, Kay wrote in a study last year, perhaps putting them at higher risk for cognitive problems later on. I think it's important for all of us to pay attention to olfactory health right now, she said. Even mild cases of COVID-19 can lead to degeneration in brain areas connected with the olfactory system, suggesting a wave of post-COVID dementia might be coming. That's why Kay is particularly excited about the possibility that sensory stimulation, as tested by Leon could counter at least some of that degeneration. They've produced a really low-cost, easy treatment that is very promising, she said. WHAT IT MIGHT TAKE TO STIMULATE MEMORY The scents used in the new study were pleasant. I don't want to have gross odors in my house, Leon said. The scents included rose, orange, eucalyptus, lemon, peppermint, rosemary, and lavender. The type of odor doesn't seem to matter, though it doesn't work to combine all the different odors into one, he said. Novelty is important, so more odors are better than fewer. He doesn't believe it makes a difference whether someone is awake or asleep when they perceive the odors. But Leon said nighttime diffusers require less effort than deliberately opening spice jars or sniffing essential oils twice a day. The odors don't disturb sleep. A bright light, loud sound, or touch will wake someone up, but you can't wake people up with odors, Leon said. Even frying bacon doesn't work. That's because while the other senses are wired through a part of the brain called the thalamus, which connects to sleep centers, smell does not, he said. Leon and some colleagues have started a company called Memory Air. This year, the company will begin selling devices that can diffuse up to 40 cents twice a night with the push of a button. A final price has not been set, but Leon said we will be aiming for an affordable consumer product. Any type of diffuser or even a spice cabinet will work if someone can be disciplined about sniffing a wide range of scents twice every day. The brain needs stimulation of all kinds, particularly as it ages, Leon said. Older adults who have cataracts should get surgery so they can see better. Those with hearing problems should get hearing aids. After the isolation of the pandemic, Everyone should be sure to establish or re-establish social connections. Exercise and healthy eating remain vital. And now, Leon suggested, they should add olfactory stimulation to the list of activities they do for their aging brain. Up next, Stroke. What you need to know. Reviewed by Carol Der Sarkassian from WebMD. What is a stroke? A stroke is a medical emergency. It happens when a blood vessel in the brain bursts or, more commonly, when a blockage happens. Without treatment, cells in the brain quickly begin to die. This can cause serious disability or death. If a loved one is having stroke symptoms, call 911 right away. Stroke Symptoms Call 911 right away about signs of a stroke which may include Sudden numbness or weakness of the body, especially on one side Vision changes in one or both eyes or trouble swallowing. Severe headache with an unknown cause. Problems with dizziness, walking, or balance. Confusion, trouble speaking, or understanding others. Think fast. The FAST test helps spot symptoms. It stands for F. Face drooping. Ask for a smile. Does one side droop? A. Arm weakness or numbness. S. Speech. Can the person repeat a simple sentence? Do they have trouble or slur words? T. Time to call 911. Don't delay. Time equals brain damage. Every second counts. Without oxygen, brain cells begin dying within minutes. Once brain tissue has died, the body parts controlled by that area won't work right. This makes stroke a top cause of long-term disability. There are clot-busting drugs that can curb brain damage, and they must be given in a short time, usually within three hours of when symptoms start. Diagnosis. Tests may start when you're still in the ambulance. Once you get to the ER, you'll get imaging tests such as a CT scan, MRI, or ultrasound. You may get other types of tests, such as an EKG, which checks your heart's electrical activity, and an EEG, which checks your brain's electrical activity. Ischemic stroke. This is the most common type of stroke. Nearly 9 out of 10 fall into this category. An ischemic stroke happens when a blood clot blocks the supply of blood to or in the brain. The clot may start in that spot or travel through the blood from elsewhere in the body. Clogged arteries are a top cause. Hemorrhagic stroke. Hemorrhagic strokes happen when a weakened blood vessel in the brain bursts. The result is bleeding inside the brain that can be hard to stop. The most common cause is high blood pressure. Other causes include aneurysms and AVMs, arteriovenous malformations, which weaken blood vessels in the brain. Mini stroke, or TIA, transient ischemic attacks often called mini-strokes, are also an emergency. When they happen, blood flow is temporarily hampered in part of the brain, causing stroke-like symptoms. When the brain flows again, the symptoms stop. You can't tell at the time if it's a stroke or TIA, so call 911. Having a TIA is also a warning sign, so see your doctor if you think you've had one. Emergency treatment. Ischemic strokes. The goal is to restore blood flow. A clot-busting medication called TPA is very good at dissolving clots and cutting the chance of long-term damage, but it must be given in time, usually within three hours. Hemorrhagic strokes are harder to manage. Treatment usually involves trying to control high blood pressure, bleeding, and brain swelling. Causes Ischemic strokes. Clogged arteries are a top cause Plaque made of fat, cholesterol, and other things builds up in the arteries, leaving less space for blood to flow. A blood clot may lodge in this narrowed space and cause an ischemic stroke. All that plaque makes it easier for a clot to form and can also rupture, blocking blood flow. Hemorrhagic strokes. These can happen if uncontrolled high blood pressure bursts a weakened artery. Risk factors. Your chance of having a stroke rises with age, And, if you have, had a stroke or TIA before, heart disease, high blood pressure, high cholesterol, diabetes, obesity, sickle cell disease. Smoking, heavy drinking, and not being active also raise your risk. What's on your plate? Eating too much fat and cholesterol can cause plaque to narrow arteries. Too much salt may lead to high blood pressure. Eating plenty of fruits, vegetables, whole grains, and fish may help lower your stroke risk. Lowering your risk. Find out if you have any conditions that you need to treat to help prevent a stroke. That may mean taking medication and also boosting healthy habits from the foods you eat to being active and not smoking. It's never too late to start. Up next, the 11-minute secret for a longer life. From Consumer Reports on Health, walking at a moderate pace for about 11 minutes a day could cut your risk of early death by 23%, according to an analysis of 196 studies. It could also reduce the odds of heart disease by 19% and of breast, colon, endometrial, liver, and lung cancers by 5 to 16%. And the source is the British Journal of Sports Medicine. And the power of purple. Some purple, red, and blue produce can reduce your diabetes risk by feeding healthy gut bugs, improving blood sugar processing, and reducing inflammation, a Finnish review reports Compounds called anthocyanins in foods like purple potatoes and sweet potatoes, radishes, purple carrots, red cabbage, blueberries, and blackberries are thought to help. And the source is the Journal of Agricultural and Food Chemistry. And your sleep may help vaccines work. Getting sufficient sleep in the days before and after a vaccine may improve the body's response. In a meta-analysis, researchers found that people who slept less than six hours per night produced significantly fewer antibodies from flu and hepatitis A and B vaccines, Than those who got seven hours of sleep or more. The difference is equal to losing two months of vaccine-triggered antibody defenses. Good sleep may help by increasing levels of hormones involved in antibody production. And the source of this one is current biology. And finally, ease stress to preserve memory. Adults with high stress levels were 37% more likely to develop memory problems than those with low stress, according to a study of more than 24,000 people ages 45 and up. Participants with chronic stress had the biggest memory declines over 11 years, while those whose stress was resolved had only a 3% drop. And the source is JAMA Network Open. Thank you for joining us for the Human Health Program. My name is Emily Crocker. If you enjoyed this program, please register for our free services at www.aincolorado.org or by calling 303 786 7777.